Righteous, ratchet, real. Real, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Real, Righteous, ratchet, and real. Real, real. I feel exposed. Okay. Welcome to the Righteous, Ratchet, and Real podcast. This podcast is for people who love God, but sometimes side-eye the church. We're three friends balancing the secular and sacred, the righteous and ratchet, as we discuss current topics through a gospel lens. We might say some things we're not supposed to. But you are probably thinking it anyway. You know how we say in the church. Charge to our head and not our heart. We're going to keep it real. Greetings. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Righteous, Ratchet, and Real podcast. We are so glad that you are here. Thank you so much for tuning in and just for being part of this movement, part of this conversation. Uh, We are so glad you're with us. I am Dr. Ronay, and I want to shout out my co-host, Dr. Greta, Dr. Keisha. Y'all talk to the people. What's up, good people? What up? And like I said, we're back with another one. We're talking about mental health because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So all month long, we are highlighting mental health issues that we don't hear too much about in the church and maybe even in our social circles. So today we're talking about one that's personal to all three of us. Now, according to the Pew Research Center survey done in October 21, about a quarter of adults in this country, that's right around 23% or so, uh, we are now part of the so-called sandwich generation. Um, And these are adults who have a parent who is age 65 or older, and they're raising at least one child that's under 18 or providing financial support to an adult child. So these are folks who are caring for parents and caring for children at the same time. Now, this is happening because people are living longer. You know, there have been so many medical advances uh, in society that have made it possible for older people to live longer. And then we also know that this economy, child, this economy is really preventing a lot of our young adults from being great out in this world. And they're having to come back home after college or what have you uh, to save, you know, for their own place or whatever. So... If you're in the over 40 crowd, this 23% goes away. That shoots up to about 50% because our parents are reaching that stage of life when they're um, getting a little older, needing needing a little more care. They're needing more than you just checking up on them by phone or just swinging by for a quick visit, right? At this point, uh, you're beginning to navigate or plan how to provide for their well-being as they age. Let me tell you a quick story about what happened uh, to, to me. So on December 23rd of 2019, um, 
I was out and about and in streets and my husband called me and he was like, hey, can you go by and check on mom? You know, I'm concerned about her. And he was rightly worried because she had been falling in the, the weeks prior to this incident. So she'd been falling a little bit. So we were like, you know, what's going on with that? You know, um, she's a woman that lives independently. She loves being by herself in her house, doing her own thing. Uh, she's a very vibrant woman, um, world traveler and all that kind of thing. So a couple of years prior to this, about two and a half years prior to this, she developed some mobility issues that just ground all of that traveling and all of that being out in the world down to a halt. She was like really kind of becoming homebound. So I went over there, rolled over there right quick, rang the bell, and I didn't hear her say, come in. I didn't hear anything. So I unlocked the door and walked into her living room and I found her on the living room floor. She was alive, but she was confused. She didn't know where she was. She didn't know what day it was. She didn't know, you know how she got down there. Um, and it took about a month of her being in the hospital and in rehab for her to regain her strength and flexibility and mobility, right? Um, but we all realized that that incident was a watershed moment. Like after that, nothing would ever be the same again. It was clear that she couldn't live the way she lived um, alone anymore. So when we got to discharge day, Archie had to work. So I, I was on deck. I was on duty. Um, and I went to go get her at the rehab center. And I was terrified, y'all. Mm -hmm. I was really, you know, we was excited. We were all excited that she was coming home. My kids were excited. Archie was excited. I'm excited. But at the same time, we knew her coming home was going to be dangerous for her and leaving her alone that that just we just couldn't do that anymore. I didn't want to open the door one more time and find her on the floor again cuz God, you know, God knows what that would have been. Um so I took her home, got her settled, um and you know, we had a home health aide getting ready to come and visit her like the next day or so, but still, you know, she was alone and I had to go check on my kids. I had to go pick up folk from school, had to get them to tutoring, had to get them to karate, had to do all the things, go get dinner ready. Um, and later that night, you know, after the house had settled down, that's when it happened. I had an anxiety attack. All of that fear, all of that, the trauma of finding her on the floor, the sadness of watching her struggle during the season of life, right? And all the weight of making these decisions uh, on her behalf, you know, trying to do what was best, but to still honor her and, and respect her autonomy. Like that was hard. That was so, so, so hard. And it still is hard today um, because now Archie and I are her sole caregivers, right? We got to take care of her. We got to make sure her needs are met and we got to take care of our kids and being a parent by itself. That's anxiety inducing enough, right? We, Man, these kids, boy, they, they just have lives of their own. Um, and that takes all of me. So then to, to have to also, you know, provide that same kind of care to my mother-in-law is just, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, our story, that story is not unique uh, because, again, people are living longer, even if they have diseases like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or cancers or mobility issues like my mother-in-law. Um, you know, when they have those issues that make it hard for them to live independently, they're still going to live, you know, for, for quite some time. So then the question becomes, who takes care of the caregivers? 
How do we manage our mental health when we're literally running between caring for our kids and caring for our parents? You know, when we're making these big life decisions, these big health decisions, these big old financial decisions, right? And we're making them for everybody, right? Shopping for a nursing home and for college. Like what? <laughs> How do we do that and keep our sanity? Who cares for the caregiver? So I just want to ask y'all, you know, what are y'all experiences with this kind of thing? Keisha, you want to go first or you want me to go first? <laughs> right. You felt like the, all the eggs. You're like, oh, <laughs> as you were talking, Greta, I, I mean, as you're talking, Rade, like I did. I felt all of that, all of those feels, because mm -hmm. I think that that's the heart of it. When we talk about mental health, it's like. Part of it is this transition into responsibilities that you did not plan on yeah. and it takes away your time. And so all the little tips we talk about self-care and doing all these things, you're like, but where? Mm -hmm. <laughs> when? <laughs> because I've got all these things on my plate and how do I carve it out? And so, you know, just trying to find those small spaces, I think is for me, what I think about is that it has been hard to find the small spaces to take care of me, you know? And when you said, you know, the anxiety attack, I thought about, you know, where I am, you know, you do not have the spaces to breathe mm -hmm. and you don't recognize how in the most ideal of portions of your life, you create space to, lead, to breathe and have joy and have fun. But you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot do that as much in this season. And you can oftentimes hit that go mode. Like I need to go, I need to show up, I need to do this. And you keep on doing it because that's been me since, you know, February. Like it has been nonstop. Like I showed up you know, to take care of my niece. And it was just to take care of her while my sister went on vacation. We had no idea that our lives would be completely, utterly transformed within, you know, two days of coming and that all of what we thought were our norms would be, you know, just upside down where now, you know, I'm caring for my sister, Mm -hmm. And I'm caring for, you know, at that point in time, I was caring for my mom because she was also having health challenges. So mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm showing up to help my mom take care of my niece. And I'm like, everybody is like, hey, can you do this? I got my grandmother, I got my mother, you know, everybody needs, you know, and I think sometimes we think of the things that they need as small things, because it may not be major things. Like for my grandmother, she's like, well, just can you take care of my my business stuff. And I'm like, all right, granny. And my mom is like, can you troubleshoot this? And I'm like, all right, you know, but it's just your to-do list becomes so much more massive. Mm -hmm. And then you're fitting in your own to-do list. And so I haven't gone to the gym mm -hmm. nearly as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. I am sometimes just like barely eating and not barely eating. Like, I mean, it's just at the end of the day, I'm like, you sure probably should have eaten before 10 o'clock, but this is the time that you are now eating. And, you know, it's one thing when you do it on your own, you know, choice because you're busy and you want to be busy. But it's a whole other thing when you're like, well, this is the first time I've been able to breathe to do it. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's 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 been an interesting thing. And if I can say one thing is that um, our good friend, my hubby, James, has been instrumental in making sure that he just checks in on me and just goes, 
are you taking time for yourself? And, you know, when I try to divert, when he's asking me about me and he tells me something about him and I tried to go to him, he's like, no, 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 we are talking about you right now. Mm-hmm. And so just creating that space. So when we talk about, you know, who cares for the caregivers, when you have good friends around who check in, you know, it is immeasurable because they give you space. Because sometimes it's just, you just need space to be like, Ooh, like, you know, just water just coming, flowing down like this and this and this and this and this. And you're like, oh, all of that was in here. Mm-hmm. I just needed that space to let it out of in here, mm-hmm. catch my breath so that I can go back to doing all that I need to do. And for those of you who are just listening um, and can't see us, of course, you should just see the head nods. <laughs> Every, all of our heads are bobbing up and down because we are so much in agreement with everything that is being said. And at the risk of sounding redundant, I just want to go back at, you know, Renee you and Takesha, you both talking about just a panic that sets in when you realize the things that you're having to deal with. And one of the things that struck me, um, so my story is really long. So let, let me see if I can shorten it as much as possible. The reason why my husband, my family and I are in Georgia is because we were living in Kentucky. And as my parents started to age, uh, my mom had cancer, dad had diabetes, things were getting worse. We know we knew we needed to get closer to home, but didn't want to go home just yet because it wasn't that bad. Hmm. And so um, Georgia was the place we decided on. So that's how we ended up in Georgia. Of course, um, my parents are deceased now, but I had an aunt, my mom's sister, who also developed cancer, lived alone, living that independent life like with what you were talking about, Renee. And uh, of course, she got sicker um, and needed more care. What struck me, in addition to my mental health, was her mental health mm-hmm. because seeing this independent, really kind of no holes barred, um, just vibrant person becoming so afraid mm. of what if I fall? What if I can't get up? And she could not get up. She didn't have the capacity to even lift herself. Mm. Um what if no one finds me? What if I die alone? Just to see her mental health mm-hmm. um, take that turn was so, I don't even have a word for it. Um, but to see that happen with her and then have that added to the plate, because of course that affects you as the caregiver. Right. Um, that was probably the most shocking thing that I remember right now about that situation and being one of her caregivers. Mm. So not only is it caring for your mental health as a caregiver, but it's also remembering the mental health of the person that you're caring for, Mm -hmm. because just as much as it's hard as, as it is on you, multiply that by whatever number you want to give for the person you're caring for, especially if they have been independent mm-hmm. for all of their life. Mm-hmm. It is a change that is it's, 
like I said, I, I honestly don't have a word for it. Yeah. Mm. That was a good naming because I hadn't thought about that, but that is, it's a whole other aspect of thinking about their mental health because they're, you're, you're trying to help them cope and adjust. And then that just adds to your own experience as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> Lord help. I got to take a deep breath. We did not expect this episode to be quite this deep when we <laughs> when we put it out there, you know, as the planet. I wasn't like, okay, y'all, I'm, I'm going to go lay on the couch real quick and get back to the episode. <laughs> it's just so layered when you talk about caregiving mm -hmm. um, because it affects so many people, you know. Yeah. Whether you have a large support group, small support group, whatever the case may be, it's just, it's all of the things and more mm -hmm. and more. And I think also naming that. Um, so Archie is an only child. Mm, yeah. Yep. And, yeah. And uh, my mother-in-law's family, the rest of our family, her family is, is, you know, thousands of miles away. So these decisions fall literally, I mean, they are on our lap. Yeah. They're on his lap, but of course they're on my lap. Right. Uh, because I'm the other one. Yep. And there's so much challenge there when you don't have other siblings to put this, you know, to, to, to negotiate this or to even just talk it out, mm -hmm. talk it through, you know? Um, and I've never seen him cry like the way I've seen him cry about this. This has been really the hardest thing. Um, yeah. And it's been hard supporting him and, and being present too. Mm -hmm. um, but there's grace. There's grace for, for all of us who are navigating, you know, this intersection. When we talk about, you know, uh, Things, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, right? The Bible tells us that. We, everybody, everybody knows a little something about everything. Um, and, the, and the Bible tells us that it's honorable. It is right to care for our folks, to be present for our peoples. Hold on. Can I jump in and say one more thing, Renee? I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but you said something there that really struck me because I have an only child. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that Brad and I have really been discussing and, and doing is because we know we have just one child, we are trying to make things as seamless and easy as possible. Not that and I don't know if that can ever be done, but just making sure that we have our affairs in order so mm -hmm. that when that day comes, um, Theo who will already be under the stress of losing parents will not have the extra added burden of, I don't know where to find this. I don't know what to do about this. I don't know. I don't know. But we can have those things lined up for him so that that responsibility, though heavy it will be, may not, maybe it'll take some of the pressure off. Maybe it will relieve some of the stress. And I just want to name that too, um, even if you have more than one child, get your stuff or no children. Uh, like my aunt had no children, uh, and she did the best she could with the will that she had in place. 
But even with that, that has in itself been such a stressful situation mm. because when you are taking and as the executor of her will, when you have a will and you're trying to do uh, live up to the wishes of that person who's going on, that in itself is a whole beast. Mm. Um, and it is not easy. Just because you leave a will does not mean that everything is going to go according to plan. Um, especially if that person has medical debt and has not left anything in place to take care of it. If that person has a house with a mortgage on it, mm. all of those things come into play. So please, 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 people hear me when I say as much as you can do while you are alive to help the people that you're leaving behind, mm -hmm. do it. That's my soapbox moment. And even, even as you are aging, right, the long-term care issue is something that you can put in your living revocable trust as yeah. well. It doesn't have to be necessarily about your death. It has to be about your life. Yes. Mm. Yes. Say yeah. that. So Say you can that. specify how you want to be cared for with the resources yes. that you have, right? So that, that's an important part of it too. Absolutely. Um, and again, you know, them, them GoFundMes can't be our go-tos, y'all. Come on. Come on, somebody. No, they cannot. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're going to get old. If God, God willing, the creek don't rise, you're going to get old. Right, right. Right. Let's ease this thing through. Right. Let's let's make it the best season of your life. It doesn't have to be, you know, a, a season of despair. You know, it's, it, it may be hard, but it doesn't have to be a season of despair for your loved ones who are caring for you. Right. 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 Mm. Mm -mm -mm. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we we know that there's the biblical command to care for our, our elders. We know that there's a blessing in that. You know, we got it. You know, we know that. Um, but we also have the um, notion of multi-generational living, meaning, you know, having one big household where there's elders and there's youngins, you know, and there's the middles, you know, in, in one household. We, we have that not only in scripture, but we have that in our lived experience, right? The, the idea or the notion of the nuclear family was developed in the 1920s in this country. So it's a Western construct. That means, y'all, I mean, Western, I'm, I'm trying to be Western. <laughs> a Western construct. That's not from our culture. Right. So, you know, it might be, you know, this whole season of caregiving, we may have to just shift our minds back to the ways in which uh, our, our ancestors lived, our, our mothers, our grandmothers, you know, how they lived. And think about it that way. This is not just a disruption of our lives. Maybe this is a, 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 a deconstruction, right, of our Western yeah. uh, ideologies, right, and ideas. And moving back to the way that it was meant to be. Come on, somebody. Maybe that's it. I'm just maybe. I'm, I'm not trying to mess with y'all's ideologies and theologies. I'm just saying it may be the way that it needs to be. Um, that's but, good. But I will also say just because something is right or righteous doesn't mean it's going to be easy. That's that's just that's just that's Bible, y'all. I don't Say know. Say that again for the folk in the back. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> just because it's right, don't make it easy. It does not mean it's going to be easy to take care 
of these loved ones, whether that's your elders or whether that's your, your niece or whether that's your nephew or whether that's your cousin, like in my family. In my family, I am uh, the mother of two biologically, but I'm also mothering my first cousin who is right same, you know, right in the same age group as my two. So that is something, you know, that we didn't anticipate, but we were happy to do. But we also had to do a shift, you know, in our mindsets right early on. You know, he was five when he came to live with us and we became his legal guardians. So we had to shift and, and think through some things. Okay, how are we going to go about adding this third child into our family? And what what does he need and what needs do our babies have, you know, that, that need to be attended to, to make it seamless so that they all three understand that they're our babies, you know? So that hasn't been easy. That was the right thing to do, but it wasn't easy, right? So, you know, theologically, you know, there's, there's room and space and there's guidance there for us um, that, you know, we are to care for our sisters and brothers. We are our brothers and our sisters keep. Right. We are our parents keepers. And of course, we are our children's keepers. So, Takesha, come on, talk to us about the ratchet aspect of it. And so for all those who are watching us on YouTube, we see caregiving in action. Nisi Pooh has what uh, was trying to, you know, get her down for her nap and make it be, you know, that we made it through. But uh, she's up from a nap a little early. And so therefore she has, you know, broken down because TT is supposed to be number one <laughs> attention, you know. So we are going to go through with with Nisi Pooh here looking at everybody. Um, so. I think one of the aspects that we have to discuss is when it comes to the ratchetness of the situation is that some people are forced into caregiving and you do not like your parent, <laughs> your parent and you have wow. a strained relationship and, you know, you have to weigh the, is this, I'm going to do this just because, you know, at the end of the day, they are, they are my parent and it can be a difficult aspect to think through. It is a whole other aspect to your mental health journey. For me, I was like, look, Rane prepped this episode, but she didn't understand how this is actually uh, something that is um, a discussion and a, a thing that I, I wrestle with. My mm -hmm. sister and I often talk about what happens when my father gets old, you know, do we then show up and you know those people I was like look people that you love can be honoring when they get old and sick so if yeah. the honorary person started out honorary Jesus help us <laughs> <laughs> to figure out what in the world and just the difficulty of what that means then for you because you've created a boundary you've created peace for yourself and now you have to sit here and think through you know, something. And in, in my particular case, it is a thought that's happening even before it happens. Mm. <laughs> and so it is a weight that you add to the conversation. And there are people who are out there. I know someone who had to care for her mother and she had a very difficult relationship with her mom and she had to show up for her, you know, and it, it, it wasn't always pleasant mm -hmm. showing up because the very same things that were the things that hurt her 
didn't go away. Right. It didn't magically disappear, but instead she's trying to be a good daughter, mm -hmm. even though her mother wasn't necessarily a good mother to her. Mm -hmm. And so it can be very difficult. And these are conversations that people don't often have. And it kind mm -hmm. of, you know, leads back to our episode last week where we're talking about motherhood and just, you know, parent child relationships are not always ideal. Mm -hmm. And then you come to talking about caregiving and even the guilt with the guilt that you would deal with. If you say, you know what, mm -hmm. I'm not going to show up. Right. Yeah. They weren't there for me. And the guilt sometimes is not just even within you. It is pressure from outside voices because people's assumption is you should show up. Look, you wasn't in my household when I was going through what I was going through in the pain and the trauma. And you weren't speaking to the person when I was going through my pain and my trauma. But now you up here trying to tell me how I should live my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it, it it is just absolutely ratchet and ridiculous <laughs> that I'm like, because I'm, you know, y'all, I'm a realist. And I'm be like, God, how in the world would you expect us to care for people who ain't care for us? Like, what is wrong with you? Right. Mm -hmm. Why and, would you even allow that to happen? And if and, I can jump in, because you named something earlier, Keisha, you, you mentioned about how when we get older, people get honorary. Mm -hmm. And so I know a situation now where someone is caring for a person who's just mean and she talks about the struggle that she has with her kids who are trying to help. And this person is just mean, not only to her, but to her children. And mm -hmm. so it's like, what do you do in that situation where the person is just spiteful and, 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 and you're trying to, to care for them and make their life better. And they're just fighting you to the nail hand and foot, whatever the, now, whatever those words are, but they're just fighting you. And you're, how do you deal with that? And how do you, how do you show up? Like you said, how do you show up in a situation where you know, walk in the room and you know, that person needs you and they're being mean. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that is true because it goes across the board. It's not even just caring for parents who are, weren't there for you it can just be something that develops from their own mental health issues yeah. that come from their change in their situation right. that right. causes them to lash out to the person who's right. being present to help them it can be mental health issues um in terms of alzheimer's and just mm -hmm. how yeah. that changes people's character yeah. you know um it can be certain cancers brain cancer is notorious mm -hmm. for changing people's personality and it's nothing they can do about it right mm -hmm. right and then yet still you have to show up and you talk about needing god's grace and god's you know <laughs> on you so that you don't take it personally so that right. you recognize the situation for what it is but it does not mean that it does not affect you as a caregiver that it doesn't hurt you that it doesn't cause its own level of pain and it's honestly one of the reasons why as a caregiver, you have to give yourself space to be free. And the other aspect, when we talk about ratchet, y'all, is when you are the only person that shows up. There are other people who are available, but you are the only person that shows up. 
Mm-hmm. Because everybody else is too busy or whatever. And it's like, if you could just give me a little time to myself, right. yep. that would be so helpful. But you still show up. And what are, and, and and naming for people the resentment that comes. Yes. Yes. And, and I'm saying resentment, but you just pissed off because you are the only one showing up and you got well able bodied other folk who could and they don't. My God. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I didn't know laying out this episode, we would touch on <laughs> touch on some stuff that was hot button, but good grief. Right. Well, look, you felt the heaviness at first. Now you just feel the anger that comes from Woo! the process, too. Look, we're going to feel all the feels in this one. All the feels. <laughs> Come on. I got to work. Well, I got to work, too. And I'm still making time. I'm sorry. You felt that one, baby? (laughs) You got to work, too. (laughs) Let me get the fan. But Greta, come on and and talk to us because there is, you know, like you named earlier, there's ways that, you know, dealing with the pressure of all of this and then the pressure of the person for whom you are caring, their mental health maybe taking a turn. Mm. Well, then how do we manage that? And, and, you know, even in the limited time that we have, right. How, how do we, how do we do something, anything in that time? So let me start, I'm gonna go off script a little bit. So let me just start by saying, make sure you have a support system for you. I thank God for Mr. Bradford Fowler. I ain't gonna give his whole government name. But I thank God for my husband who can, huh, who has developed the skill of looking at me and saying, baby, you okay? Baby, what can I do? How can I help? And he got his own set of stuff with work and whatnot, but he's still looking at me and saying, what can I do? Baby, I love you for that. So please make sure that you have your support system, whether that's a spouse, partner, husband, wife, whatever the case may be, a good girlfriend, um, just make sure you have your support system. And know that it's okay to take a step back. Take a step back and, and just breathe. Oh my God. Thank thank God for just being able to breathe and and just take a minute, take a beat, take a second, take a minute, whatever take a day um, uh, and just step back. But also um, we have to know that of course, for the person that you're caring for, we are grateful. You are grateful that they are alive and still with you um, because their life and their, their being alive gives an opportunity to have the conversations that may need to take place. If there's forgiveness, you know, Keisha mentioned, And we even mentioned, I talked about, you know, mean people, you know, whatever the case may be, but you still have time to get some things right and in order. Mm -hmm. Um, So we are grateful for the life that they are able to live, even though it may be difficult. But let me say this, because this is from my own personal experience. And let me name this for people. 
don't let guilt set in for any type of relief you may feel when your person transitions. Mm. Because with their transition comes a release. uh, With their transition, uh, you will feel weight rolling off your shoulders. And that is okay. That is okay. I remember, and I'm not going to name which person died. There was someone who died within my family that I was given care for. And when they died, I almost felt ashamed because I felt a sense of relief. Um, And I don't know, we'll just say the spirit of the Lord was like, no, it's okay. It is okay to be all right in feeling that sense of relief that comes with their death, with their transition. Uh, Because here's the thing, if they died in the Lord, they in a better place. They in a better place and that's okay. And so for you to feel okay, for you to have that sense of relief, that is okay. Do not let guilt and shame set in. Um, Yes. Yes, ma'am. So I want us and our listeners to just stop for a moment. And I want us to take a deep breath in and out. Because that was a lot right there that you said, Greta. And I think people need to absorb that. All right. So it's okay. It is okay. It is okay to feel a sense of relief when your person transitions. Um, It's okay. Uh, Also, don't forget to enlist the help of others. Um, that might be a short list. It might be a long list. Um, I'll say, I remember when my mother, when my father's mother, um, began to get sick, I remember his brothers and sisters rallying around having meetings. I want to say they may have even met weekly to discuss who's going to do what, who are we going to bring in? And there was this concerted effort that was just beautiful and I was very, I was much younger at that time, but I just remember that um, them being very intentional about her care because one of the things that she wanted, she wanted to die at home and they moved heaven and earth to make sure that happened for her. And so, uh, you know, just they enlisted not only themselves, but they enlisted the help of others to come and sit with grandma and you know, they called the mud deer to come sit with mud deer and, and and just, you know, people to cook and people to help out. And so don't be afraid to list other, enlist the help of others. You are not made and created to take it all on yourself. It is not all of your responsibility. And so whether that's enlisting professional help, uh, sitters to come in, whether that's enlisting a good neighbor uh, who has offered help. And here's the other thing, because this is what I struggle with. Be all right with folks saying, what can I do? And then getting them to do whatever it is they want to do. <laughs> yep. yep. When people offer to help, take them on their word. Uh, don't stress them out, you know, with it, but, but receive that help that's being offered uh, to you. 
and, and and of course don't forget to take care of you you have to take care of you in this process because how can we show up and be the best version of ourselves if we are run down if we're too run down to do the things that need to be done so uh these are ways that we can uh manage our own depression and anxiety as we are in this caregiving season of life. Can I just also add for those who you may not be the caregiver right now, that one of, um, I saw this advice from someone who uh, talked about experiencing a loved one passing and everybody asked that question, what can I do? And it can be overwhelming when you are in grief to answer that question, what do I need? Because you're like, I, I cannot, I don't have the capacity to think about it for sober. Those who are not in a caregiving role also consider for you what you could possibly do, volunteer some things. So like, you know, do you need me to pick up the kids from school while mm-hmm. you're going through this? Um, do you want me to drop off mo- meals on a Monday? So just consider ways that you can naturally help people who are in a caregiving season and, you know, walk with them through the process. Mm -hmm. That's good because, you know, we still live under the principle of reaping what we sow. And so if we see others in need and their caregiving journey, and we just kind of sit there and watch and don't do nothing when it's our turn. Yeah. Then we've sown that seed of, I ain't going to help. So don't be surprised when no one helps you. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> that was a bit of a read, honey. You didn't catch it. <laughs> I felt that thing. But I think it also, you know, it also begs the question of how can the church provide respite for, you know, the hearts and minds of caregivers? I think that, you know, we need to be preaching from the pulpit. You know, around these particular issues, we need to be naming it, you know, where we see it in scripture and how, you know, how uh, God comforts us and gives us grace for our situations. And, you know, and a church can also rally support, you know, just like, you know, talking about providing meals on a Monday. Well, we know Sister Jenkins is going through it. You know, her she's taking care of her mother who had a stroke and she's also got John John getting ready to go for college. Can we put together a trunk? a trunk for uh, John John, you know, and can we deliver meals or can we do this? Can we drive her mother to an appointment? You know, all those kinds of things. So I think, um, you know, we may need to get better about announcing our needs Mm. in the church and allowing folks to help us. Because sometimes a closed mouth don't get fed. Like, you know, sometimes I can remember being, you know, in the church office and hearing a call come in from the office administrator talking about somebody's just overwhelmed. And I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't know that they were going through all of that. Why didn't they say anything? We didn't have to let it get to this point, you know. So sometimes we have to take the initiative and ask for help. You know, when you're drowning, you know, you... (laughs) Try to you 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 struggling, but you can try to put up a hand or something to let someone know that you are in need, that you are desperate, and that you know help is needed. So I think also too we have to be uh, able to ask for what we need. Can I also say that I think one of the ways that the church can help in these seasons is to actually give people permission to sit down. 
so that you know you wow. know like we can know people have heavy stuff wow. but we know that they serve here in this ministry and then we just let them show up <laughs> we yeah. expect them and sometimes the best thing we can do as a loving congregation is to see that they have a heavy season and say, I know you want to serve. Mm -hmm. I know that's your heart. Mm -hmm. But why don't you take these next couple of months My this year yes. to sit down yes. and don't have this as part of your plate? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. My God. Yes. You my God. My God. That's a shout. Can we just ooh. Wow. We need a we need a Hammond in here and just oh, okay. Put her in D. Put her in D. Come on. Because that, that really is a whole nother episode. We might need to talk about that for real. Yeah. Overworking in the church. Mm. Ooh. Ah. Yes. <laughs> That's a whole one. We do that. Yeah, we should. We should talk about that. And guilt people when they do want to sit down. Sis. Sis. I can't lose you. I'm sorry. Let me stop. Go ahead. Well, it's true. I mean, I and I will add to that when it was time for me to leave my 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 church, you know, and, and folk knew they, they could see it was time. Mm. Still, you know. Got had them conversations where I sure hated that you you sure you ain't want to stay right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, knowing good and well. Anyway, 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 another episode. Yeah, so, we're gonna do that one. Yeah, we're gonna do that. Let's do it. So that's season two. Hey, there you go. Yay. So we're gonna close this episode out talking about resources, right? Just some things, some tips, some ideas for you to take away that might help you. So first of all, as, as Greta already named, you need a support system when you are caring for aging parents, loved ones, and kids at the same time. Um, whatever that means for you, wherever the, the holes are in the schedule, you know, if you got to get your neighbors, if you got to get your church members, if you got to get Got to get folks, siblings, cousins, and folk to help. Do that. Figure out how to build your team. All right? And then add a therapist to that team if you can. Um, some therapists will even see the whole family, right? And you can just, just do it in one session and, and work through the things you need to work out. Um, but yes, you need to build your team. Secondly, you could join a support group. There are all kinds of support groups for caregivers in your local area. Google is your friend. Google is your friend, right? You can find groups around Alzheimer's or dementia care for caregivers. Your group can be online or in person. There's also cancer support, cancer caregiver support groups. All those kinds of support groups are out there. You just need to let your fingers do the walking uh, and, and find some groups in your area. Then you can also uh, contact your employer, depending upon the kind of company you, you work for. If you work for a company, you may have EAP programs, employee assistance programs. And those programs typically have resources for therapy and other self-care opportunities. Some employers have 
started to integrate wellness stuff into uh, the benefits that they offer. So you may want to talk to your benefits person, your human resources person, and see what kinds of things they have to offer. There are even uh, some EAP programs that have ride services for elders as part of their healthcare benefits for the employees. So you might want to talk to your HR person. And then, of course, there's the FMLA, Family Medical Leave Act, which is a benefit that you may qualify for at your job that provides unpaid, yeah, I'm sorry, y'all, unpaid time off and resources to care for a loved one that might be an elder or it might be a child. Uh, but it's 12 weeks that you can qualify for and your job will be secure. So those are just some things you might want to think about. And of course, you know, your local faith community may have some, some options as well. Um, you are not alone. As I mentioned, I mean, it's 50%, it's half of us in this country who are over 40 who are dealing with this issue right now. So you are not alone, okay? You are not alone. You may feel alone, but you are not alone. Lastly, I want to shout out uh, a book. Sister girlfriend from a long time ago, her name is Tara Lean Campbell, and her book is From Carefree to Caregiver. From Carefree to Caregiver. You can find that on Amazon or where your good black books are sold, but it is a 31-day devotional with encouragement and spiritual nourishment specifically for people who are caring for aging parents or loved ones. Y'all, she went through this with her mother. She is an only child and she took care of her mother until the end. And she, listen, listen, she did that. She really did that. And so for those of us who are, are in this life, you know, we find ourselves in this position to care for our loved ones and are figuring out how she gives the encouragement from the word for you to be able to make it and to make it well and to serve your parents and loved ones in a way that God would be pleased with you. Listen, get that book. Find it on Amazon from Carefree to Caregiver. So that's all we have today, y'all. I am just so excited uh, about you all being part of the Righteous Ratchet and Real Tribe. You know you can find us on Facebook. Y'all know where we are and have a discussion. You know, we can keep the discussion rolling. Just comment on the episodes. Listen, like this on your platforms. Share these episodes with your friends and even people you might not even like because uh, we want we want to get the word out about the things that we are discussing here. So in the meantime, mental health is wealth. We pray that you are bountifully blessed uh, and join us next time on our next episode of Righteous, Ratchet, and Real. Peace. And y'all just remember, we're getting ready to go into our hiatus for the Ooh. next two months. That's Look, right. we're going to do some caregiving because yeah. we are definitely caregivers. So Sheesh. we're going to do some self-care. So just know that June and July, we are going to be rerunning previous episodes, but we will be back in August. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right, y'all. Peace. Bye, y'all. Bye.